continue to praise you today and give glory to you because you're worthy, O oh Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you've created all things, and for your pleasure all things were and are created. And we, we claim that truth today, God, and thank you that you are most worthy of our praise, not only of our lips. We thank you that we have the opportunity to sing praises to you with our lips. And you gladly hear the words of our songs as we sing praises to you. But God, thank you also that you, you, you're, you're so glorified and lifted up and blessed when we praise you with our feet and with our hands and with our heart, with our mind, with our eyes, with our souls. And so God, I pray that you would teach us today how valuable our praise is to you. And may we continue to praise you with all of our being, with all of our life, including the praise of our lips. As we continue to worship you now through the, the preaching of your word, I pray that you would be glorified in our life as we hear your word and obey your word. We go out from this place worshiping you today to do your will and to live out your word in our life. In Jesus' name now we continue to worship. Amen. I invite you to open your Bible with me to Psalm 108 as we continue our journey through the Psalms. Again, some of you have been around for a few years. Some of you may be here today for the first time. And over the last, this is the fifth year now, we've been working our way through the five books of the Psalms. And we come today to Psalm 108. Psalm 108 is actually uh, a repeat of two Psalms. Uh, Psalm 57 and Psalm 60, and the, the chronicler, the organizer of the Psalms, uh, felt it was so important that we uh, really dig into the message of this Psalm that it's listed in two different places. Morgan, uh, a couple of years ago, three years ago, preached through Psalm 57 and then again through Psalm 60, and we're reminded today in a different kind of way of how valuable this portion of God's Word is. These are exciting days uh, around the Bird family. Uh, we have two uh, middle-aged preschoolers. One is four and one is uh, three and a half, and it's, a, it's an exciting time to be around them. We have a nine-month-old baby girl, and we have a daughter who in August will have another bird boy coming into the, or a tailor boy. He's a bird boy, but he's going to be a tailor. Uh, she's married to a tailor. But anyway, uh, we're excited around our house today when life comes bursting through the door of our house. In fact, when Benjamin and Perry come to our door and open the door, we better be braced and ready because they're going to be coming running and jumping into our arms. They, they love being at our house. They love being around our family. There's an excitement in their eyes and an understanding in their heart that they are loved and they're cared for and they belong in the presence of our family. They're not strangers to our home. They're comfortable in our home. I pray that that is your relationship to God. I pray that every day when you wake up, every day when you enter into the battles that you face during the day, that you have an understanding in your heart and a feeling in your spirit that 
You're welcome in God's presence. And not only are you welcome in God's presence, but you run into his presence and jump up into his arms just like our grandchildren run into our family. I know it won't always be that way with them. There will be different ways that they express the way they feel around our house, but there will always be that intimacy. There will always be that feeling that they are loved, that they're cared for, that they're safe, and they're welcome in our home. So that's the way God wants us to come to Him. And Psalm 108 is an expression of that kind of relationship that we can have with God. But in order for that to be a reality, we have to have a personal relationship with Him. There's no substitute for a personal relationship with someone who loves you and cares for you and watches over you and that you have with that person. And there's no uh, exception to that with God. In fact, that's where it starts with God. We see in the superscript of this psalm, we heard it read earlier in our worship time, our singing worship time. The, the superscript of Psalm 108 says, a song, a psalm of David. So we know this was a song that flowed from the heart of King David. King David had that personal relationship with God. He felt loved. He felt supported from God. He knew that he was welcome with God. And so he lifted up his praise to God. And that's where we find ourselves today. David felt secure with God. He often cried out to God for help because he trusted God's faithfulness. I hope you're aware, and it's so unfortunate, that most people in the world today do not have that kind of relationship with God. There are nearly 8 billion people on the face of planet Earth today. Very few people have the kind of relationship with God that we're talking about today. And I trust and pray that if you came in here today without that kind of intimate, personal relationship with God, that before you leave here today, you'll at least know how to have that relationship with Him, and you will enter into that trusting relationship with God, because God is faithful. So I want to encourage you to do a couple of things as we work through this psalm today. I want to encourage you, first of all, to examine your relationship with God. Do you know Him? Have you come to that point where you walk with Him and He walks with you and you know that? Because God is always faithful to those who are willing to enter into that personal relationship with Him and then live consistently in that relationship with Him. And I would love it if every person here today had that kind of relationship with God as you go out to fight fight the battles of this world. In Psalm 108, David was worshiping and calling to God in a time of crisis. There was stress in his life. He was facing enemies that wanted to take his life. And yet in the middle of that crisis, he trusted God. And he's going to teach us how we can do that today as well. Just like David. For you and me, if we're going to have that kind of trust in God in the battles of life, 
we have to understand that it begins in the normal times of life, the times when there are no battles. For David, trust in God began as he sat in the fields watching over sheep. He had a job that was assigned to him by his father to care for sheep. He sat out in the fields at night looking at the creation of God, the vastness of the creation of God, looking at, at God working his way out through nature and, and that kind of thing. And, and David took the gifts that he had of music and playing instruments and entered into an intimate relationship with God in the non-crisis times of his life. So when the lions and the bear came to challenge his sheep, he was ready for that crisis. And then later on in life, as we'll see today, he was ready in some other really major battles in his life as well. So in the good times, David learned how faithful God was. And in the crisis times, it was natural, it was normal for him to turn to God and trust God to be with him because he knew God was faithful. So this psalm gives us three reasons to walk where David walked, to pray like David prayed, and to praise like David prayed. So let's evaluate our journey with God today. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to take a look at your journey with God today as we apply this passage to your life through the eyes and through the life of the psalmist David in Psalm 108? Well, let's dig into it. First of all, God's faithfulness draws praise. That's not only what He does. He's, he not only is faithful in what He does, but it's who He is. God is faithful. Look at verse 1 of Psalm 108. My heart is steadfast, O God. I will sing and make melody with all my being. Awake, O harp and lyre. Now, remember, David <clears throat> had a gift of music. He played music. He sang music. He praised God with the gifts that God had given him. And so, before he even gets up in the morning... Look at the end of verse 2. He says, I will awake the dawn. Before he gets up in the morning, he's using the gifts that God has given him to give praise to God. Now, before we dive into the meat of this psalm today, I want you to examine your heart. God's given you a gift. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you're a Christian, you have a gift. And I want to challenge you to be like David. I want to challenge you to commit before you even roll out of bed to say, God, whatever gifts you've given me, I'm going to use that gift or use those gifts throughout this day to give my praise to you. Whatever door you open, whatever way you allow me to use my gift, I want to use that gift as I live out my life today to praise you. Some of you I know are doing a really good job with that. Some of you are influencing people in a powerful way because you're willing to give praise to God with the gifts that He's given you. So verse 3 says, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. Now, once again, in Scripture, when the Bible talks about peoples and the Bible talks about nations, what the Bible's talking about is all those 8 billion people that are walking on the planet Earth today, every man, woman, and child should have the opportunity 
to give praise and glory to God, every man, woman, and child should have the opportunity to at least hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. An interesting fact about Palmetto Shores you may or may not know, but every year in our existence except one, this church has sent out missionaries around the world on mission trips, short-term mission trips, and we even have a couple of life missionaries who are sharing the message of Jesus Christ around the world. Why do we do that? Why do we invest funds in sending out missionaries to different parts of the world? And even before we were a church, we were doing this. Before we constituted as a church, we sent a group of people on a mission to a far place in the world. We've been to Haiti, we've been to Honduras, we've been to Spain, we've been to Zambia, to Africa. All, I mean, extended all around the world. Why do we do this? Well, like David said, the peoples and the nations can't help but give praise to God when they see God working in the lives of people whose lives have been changed by Him, transformed by Him, empowered by Him. And that's why we do that. It's interesting here on the Grand Strand, though, we don't, we don't have to leave the Grand Strand to be a missionary. We have people from all, we had a lady in our service this morning from Australia, Melbourne, Australia. I mean, people come from all over the world to the Grand Strand and to be on mission for God to share the gospel with the peoples and with the nations, all we have to do is experience God's faithfulness in our life and be willing to let His praise flow from our life when we engage people in our normal part of life here on the Grand Strand. What a blessing. What a privilege. God's steadfast love is like a magnet for people. And when people see how God changes your life and transforms your life and sets you free from the penalty of your sin and you share that with people around you. God's name is praised. Our memory verse for these couple of months is Psalm 107 verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for He is good for His steadfast love endures forever. That's true. Nothing could be truer than that. And what's beautiful about that is you and I are called by God to reflect that steadfast love that He pours into our life with people around us. And David understood that. It's obvious that many things were pulling at David's heart when he wrote this song. He faced enormous pressure. Physical enemy. I hope you don't know what this feels like. <laughs> Physical enemies were trying to kill him. He literally was under the threat of enemies who were trying to take his life. And he should have been concerned about that. But look what he did first. Look at what his priority was. Even though the physical energies, enemies were waging war against him, he had to be tempted to focus on that before he rolled out of bed that day. But that's not what he did. He praised God before he was even concerned about the enemies that were coming after him that day. 
see deliverance from the right hand of God when David prayed for deliverance and salvation from the right hand of God was not just some kind of idle request of David. His mind was fixed on singing and playing music to praise God before asking for God to show up and give him strength and salvation and deliverance from his enemy. He said, I will sing and make melody. I will awake the dawn. I will give thanks. I will sing praises. Think about how different your life could be. And I know some of you do this, and I'm glad that you do this. But if you don't, think of, think of what your life could be like if before you thought about what was going to be facing you in the process of a day, you turned and gave praise to God and thanks to God and sang praises to God and awakened the dawn with God before facing those enemies. David had his priorities in order. What about you? Do you have your priorities in order? Are you focused on praising Him and making melody to Him and awaking the dawn, giving thanks to Him, singing praise to Him before you take on the enemies of the day? See, we all face pressure situations in life. Um, think, think for a moment about something that you faced this past week that was a pressure point in your life. Did you worry about that before you got up in the morning or did you praise God before you got up in the morning? If you, if you worried about it before you got up in the morning, how did that work out? Did it change anything? Probably not. But I'll guarantee you praise and give worship to God before facing a day will make a difference in your day. David had his priorities in order. His priority was focused on his intimacy with God. Now, let's talk about that for a minute. What does intimacy with God really look like? I was in a meeting this week. I heard a definition of intimacy. Here's the definition. Intimacy is to be fully known and fully loved. That's who God is in your life potentially if you'll let Him. He fully, He knows everything about you. He knows your strengths. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your sin, your faults. And yet He couldn't love you more. He loves you as you are for who you are. So I don't know what you're struggling with today, but I can promise you this. The best result that you can have in that situation is to face that struggle by focusing on your intimacy with God. Because He knows everything about you, and He still loves you just like you are. In fact, He loves you so much, He doesn't want you to stay like you are. <laughs> he wants you to, like David... Be more and more and more like Him. God is faithful. God is faithful in every pressure situation you face. Uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon from the last century, a great preacher in London, 
said, and I quote, the benefit to rising early to first praise God makes a man both happier, holier, stronger, and bolder. Now that's pretty broad, isn't it? You want to be happier? You want to be holier? You want to be stronger? You want to be bolder? In other words, Spurgeon was saying that early morning prayers bring praise to God and strength to you because God is faithful to those who call upon Him. God is faithful to those who give praise to Him and are drawn to praise to Him at all times during the day, but especially early in the morning. So the psalmist goes on and says in verse 5, Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth, that your beloved ones may be delivered. Give salvation by your right hand and answer me. So David set a perfect example for you to follow, for me to follow. He praised God. But then he called on God to give him strength and deliver him because David trusted God. God's steadfast love demonstrated his unlimited faithfulness when David needed him most. And when David needed God most, he praised him best. And the challenge for you and me is when we face the enemies of our life, we trust God most. When we need Him most. He says in verse 5, Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Exalting God. (laughs) He's talking about being put on top of the world. Exalting God puts you on top of the world. So you can face any enemy. He puts you on top of the world above the enemies. Someone once was describing a problem and said the problem was that they were under their circumstances and a preacher looked at him and said what are you doing under your circumstances (laughs) God is above your circumstances so soar over your circumstances with him and that includes your greatest enemies many of you are aware that most electronic and pneumatic and hydraulic systems have pressure valves. You know what a pressure valve is? A pressure valve is a valve that's included in a system that when that system becomes overloaded, the valve opens up and lets the pressure off. Uh, I I can best picture this with a hot water heater in the closet at my house. I mean, it's got all kind of valves on top of it and so the 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 idea is that if that thing gets overloaded that the pressure valve is going to release and it's not going to explode and do great damage to my house your life is the same way there are pressure points in your life there there are stressors and and pressures that come at you every single day some come through relationships some come through Finances, I heard a preacher say recently this week that every time his child comes home, there's a letter in the child's hand with wanting more money from the school, money for for this and money for trips and money for that. That's money, 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 money. Pressure, stress, that's a simple one, but I mean, there could be great stress and pressure that comes our way. And all of us need in our lives pressure release valves. And God said, hello, 
That's me. God is our pressure release valve. And so rather than as a last resort, as a first action, we ought to turn to God and let him provide for us the release from the pressure that we feel from real challenges. Real challenges that come in our home, that come in our schools, that come in our work, that come by being a part of a world that's so crazy like we live in. David learned this principle early in life. When he was about 16 or 17 years old, you can find this story in 1 Samuel chapter 17. David faced a giant because nobody else would face that giant physically. The giant defied the God of Israel. And David couldn't stand that. The giant wanted to kill David. And so here's what David did early in his life, 16, 17 years old. David stood before that giant and he said, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. And David took a little stone out of a side pouch. This is in the scripture. You can read it for yourself. 1 Samuel chapter 17. He took one little stone out. He put in a sling. And he slung it around. And he, after trash talking the giant for, I mean, it's funny. If you, if you read that passage, he, he shared some real trash talk with the giant right before he slung that rock. But when he released it, that one little rock, David said, by the power of God, took that giant down. And he gave God the glory. He gave God the praise for it. So are you willing to do that today? Are you willing to allow God to be your pressure release valve? Are you willing to learn from somebody like David whose life was threatened to let God be his pressure release valve because David knew and had learned early that God is faithful and you and I hopefully have learned that same lesson. God is faithful and draws our praise. Secondly, God's faithfulness establishes hope. And this is where the story, again, in the middle part of this section we, we could spend several weeks on this part of the story. But look at verse 7. God has promised in His holiness with exultation, I will divide up Shechem and portion out the valley of Succoth. Gilead is mine, Manasseh is mine, Ephraim is my helmet, Judah is my scepter. Now, these were cities and regions in the area of Israel that God had promised Abraham. God had renewed his covenant with Abraham through his covenant with David and Shechem and Succoth and Gilead and Manasseh and Ephraim and Judah all relate to the promises of God and the provision of God to Israel. David knew that God had promised this region to him and to his people. And David was celebrating the fact that even through times of stress, challenge, and trial, 
God was faithful to his promises. God had made that covenant with Abraham that would lead his family to the promised land. And every time David walked through these regions, he was reminded of the faithfulness of God, the faithfulness of God to fulfill his covenant, to give Israel a land. God's faithfulness for David established hope. And I pray that God's faithfulness to you today, for you to enjoy the breath of life that God gives you, for you to enjoy community and relationships in your family and in a church like we enjoy here, is a fulfillment of the promise that, that God has given to us that gives us hope as well. As I said, there are hundreds of references to these cities and regions in the Old Testament and the Bible. David knew these cities and regions well. He had either fought battles there, or he had run there for refuge, or he knew that God had used some of these regions for a particular purpose in God's plan for Israel. I could say so much about these cities, but today let's just focus on what God is saying to us through this psalm. God fulfilled His promise to Abraham with the conquest of this region. And God's faithfulness establishes hope for David and for you and me. Um, you could probably understand this. Some of you probably at some point have received some kind of inheritance from a family member or someone who was close to you. And every time you walk through a, a region or every time you look at something that somebody gave you as an inheritance, it reminds you of how much that person loved you. It reminds you of how faithful that person was to you. And every time David walked through these regions, he was reminded of the faithfulness of God to provide the inheritance that he had promised to Abraham and then later even promised to David himself. Uh, the last part of this section calls attention to Judah. Judah, my scepter. I can't pass over this one too fast. Uh, Judah, my scepter, is a reference to the ultimate victory that all who put our trust and faith in Jesus will experience. It's one of those great prophetic promises from God to His people. Jesus Christ, God's Son, came from Judea the Lion of Judah. He came into the world as the Lamb of God. His mission was to become the ultimate sacrifice for sin for every person on planet Earth. In a few minutes today, we're going to celebrate communion. And we're going to be reminded again of this great sacrifice that God made through coming to this Earth and becoming flesh and living among us. Jesus said, as he shared the introduction to the Lord's Supper, communion with his disciples, he said, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, remember me. 
until I come again. According to Revelation chapter 5 and ultimately the rest of the book of Revelation, when Jesus returns, He's not going to come as a lamb. He came the first time as the Lamb of God. He came the first time to do what we're going to celebrate this morning, to shed His blood, to pay the price for your sin and the sin of the world. But the next time Jesus comes, He's coming back as the Lion, lion of Judah. He's coming back to rule with a scepter. Judah, my scepter, as it says in verse 8. And whether you reign with Him in eternity, which lasts forever and ever and ever and ever, depends on how you respond to Him in this life. You have a choice. You can make sure that you know Him, that you... you accept the salvation, the gift that He's offered you through the shedding of His blood, or you can reject Him, which would be a really bad choice. I want to challenge you to make sure that you know Him intimately today because He's coming back. And this time He's coming back to rule and to reign with those who have put their faith and trust in Him. That could be you today. I trust that that will be you if you've not made that commitment before today. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a few minutes. But in verse 9, he says, Moab is my wash basin. Edom I cast my, upon Edom I cast my shoe. Over Philistia I shout in triumph. Now this could be a puzzle. When you think about the faithfulness of God and the promises of God from a worldly perspective. Because these three regions, Moab and Edom and Philistia, were regions that God used to bring judgment upon Israel. God used these three nations constantly. If you, if you follow the path of the Old Testament, God, God used these three regions to, to discipline His people when they stepped out of line with following Him. But it was God's promise, even through discipline, even through judgment, that gave Israel hope. God used the Moabites and the Edomites and the Philistines to bring that judgment that Israel needed to show that they needed to be walking with God. Some of you may be living today experiencing God's discipline, God's judgment. I encourage you to be like David and accept this as part of the promise of God to draw you back to Himself, to draw you back into His arms and in His care. God is sovereign. Nothing in your life ever happens that God does not allow or cause. We talked about this last week in Psalm 107, the last part of Psalm 107. But, but everything that happens in your life is an opportunity for you to draw closer to God, to be a stepping stone to walking with God because He's sovereign. You can have the same kind of confidence in God that David had. 
So I want to challenge you today to take your most powerful enemy and use the strength of God to give you power to wash your hands in victory over that enemy. Let God throw His shoe at your greatest enemy just like He did the Moabites. Our hope rises when we allow God's faithfulness to establish hope even in our most hopeless situations. See, 2,000 years ago, God sent His only Son, Jesus, to become flesh and go through every challenge, every temptation that you and I face in this sin-cursed world. And He faced, Jesus faced every enemy that you and I could ever face in the darkest hour of our universe. It seemed like evil had won because the enemies of Jesus placed him, nailed him after torturing him to a cruel Roman cross. And on that cross, Jesus died. So it seemed like the enemy had won. But the greatest display of God's faithfulness was when Jesus Christ arose from the dead to give victory over life's greatest enemy and to give victory over every enemy that this world could possibly face. God's faithfulness forever established hope over death and over every enemy that you and I could ever face. But for that to be a gift to you, you have to claim it. You have to trust God. You have to do like David. You have to pour your life into God as He pours His life into you. So are you willing to fully trust God? Are you willing to step off the edge and put your life totally into the hands of this faithful God? Because God's faithfulness establishes hope for those who will put their trust in Him. And oh, how I pray that's you. You must make the choice to die to yourself and say, God, I don't understand it. But I believe that you did come to this earth and live a perfect life and give your life Shed your blood to pay the price for the penalty of my sin. Take on yourself the judgment that I deserve for my sin. And I want you to take my life and transform my life and make my life like Jesus so that I can give glory and praise to you. David prayed that kind of prayer when he surrendered his life totally to be used by God. Finally today, God's faithfulness brings victory. In verses 10 to 13, the Bible says, Who will bring me to the fortified city? Who will lead me to Edom? Have you not rejected us, O God? Do you not go out, O God, with our enemies? Now pay attention to what David is doing here, what he's saying here. See, David had earned the right to share his true feelings with God because David had 
an intimate relationship with God. He had a totally transparent relationship with God, authentic relationship with God. If you have that kind of relationship with God, you can come before God with your questions as well. See, David wasn't questioning the integrity of God. He was, question, he was asking serious questions about, you know, what was going on in the world around him. Um, two things gave David the right to sing this song. First of all, he had integrity in his relationship with God. And secondly, he had intimacy in his relationship with God. Is that you? Do, do you have integrity? In other words, are you willing to open up your life to God and say, God, here I am. All that I am, I open it up to share it with you. Are you willing to say, God, I know that when I open up my life to you, I can trust you because you love me. That's what intimacy is really all about. And David had that kind of relationship with God. He also had the integrity with the relationship with God to say, God, you know me. You know everything about me. And you still love me and I still love you. So when you have integrity in any relationship and when you have intimacy in any relationship, you can be totally honest without being condescending. David wasn't putting God down. He wasn't being condescending. He wasn't doubting God. He wasn't angry with God. He wasn't disrespectful to God. He was just expressing his honest feelings. Now, I know some of you are going through some really hard times right now. Really hard times. I pray that your intimacy with God and your integrity with God is open enough to where you can honestly share your feelings with Him. That's okay to share your feelings about what's going on in your life and say, God, help me understand this. God, I need help. We can all have that kind of relationship with God. So when you have a steadfast heart for God, remember how He started this song? You start by making melody to God and giving praise to God before you move into facing the enemy, before you move into facing the crisis. And then when struggles kick in, you can be totally honest about your feelings and you can trust the right hand of God, the strong arm of God, to give you victory over every enemy that comes against you. Wouldn't it be great if all of our relationships were like that? Wouldn't it be great if you had one or two, three people in your life that you could be totally honest with and open with? Um, if, if, if you're working through our Word for Today, the devotional guide that we put out there and give away uh, yesterday, that's what the whole lesson was about yesterday. It was about being open and honest with people who you have an intimate relationship with. I've always heard that you're a blessed person if you have one person in your life that you can truly be open and transparent and honest with and that person still accepts you and trusts you and loves you for who you are. If you cannot be fully known and fully loved by someone, you really are not in an intimate relationship with them.
There's no integrity in that relationship at all. But David knew that he had an intimate relationship with God. He knew that his integrity before God was open and honest and authentic. And I pray that you will be open and honest with yourself and open and honest with God as well. Because of David's intimate relationship, he counted on God to give him victory, and God always came through. Look at verse 12. Oh, grant us help against the foe, for vain is the salvation of man. Now, I can't help but just say a brief word here about trusting in the salvation of man. <laughs> There's a philosophy in our world today called secularism that says that our world is just going to keep getting better and better and better and better, and we're going to just continue to love people more and more and more and more, and everything in the end is going to be great. You really believe that? <laughs> I don't know what world you're living in, but when I look around my world, I don't see that kind of reality. I don't see things getting better and better and better and better. I don't see people loving each other like... You know, the phantom mystery salvation of this world offers. Uh, as technology advances, things are supposed to get better. Not. In fact, you agree? They continue to get worse. So David was a prophet. He said, vain is the salvation of man. And in verse 13, he goes on, he says, victory is in God's faithfulness. Verse 13 says, with God, we shall do valiantly. It is He who will tread down our foes. And so as we wrap this up this morning, there are three things I don't want you to miss about verse 13. God is a loving Father who shows steadfast love, always shows steadfast love. Remember our verse, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. You believe the philosophy of this world if you want to, but I'm going to trust in the steadfast love of God, and I pray that you will as well. Also, we have a forgiving Savior who offers saving faith and grace through the cross and resurrection that He endured because He loves you and me so much. And also we have a comforting Holy Spirit who transforms every man, woman, and child who will be willing to turn back to Him and turn away from our sin and accept His forgiving grace. So let's get personal with this for just a moment. What enemies are you battling today? Some, some here may be battling health issues. I know that the older we get, the more we battle health issues. Sometimes that starts really early in life. Health issues are real. If you read David's life, you'll see several times he, he cried out to God. He said, God, my bones are weary. I mean, he was suffering physically, and he cried out to God in the middle of his sufferings. Are, are you willing to have that kind of intimate relationship with God that 
sure, we want to turn the medicine into doctors, but ultimately, we want to ask God to either heal us or walk with us through the valley of whatever battle we have with our, our health. You may be facing financial battles today. You know, God has boundaries for managing His finances that He blesses us with in our life. And if we're willing to move our lives into the inside of His boundaries, He has victory for us today. It may, it may start with something as simple as having a budget, which is a godly thing to do, and then living by that budget. But the pain is worth the gain. He's here to join us in fighting relationship battles and addiction battles, which include alcohol and other kinds of drugs and sex addiction, those kinds of things. He's with us to win those battles, to take us to victory in those battles. He's there to fight anger battles that we may have, rejection battles, relationship battles, discouragement battles, and so forth. Are you willing to put your trust in Him and let Him validate the fact that He is faithful through any enemy, fighting any enemy, any battle that you have? Well, an intimate and authentic relationship with God lays the foundation for undergirding every battle that you and I will face today. I want you to leave with this picture in mind today. One one thing I want you to leave with. God has His arms open wide today for you to run and jump into His arms just like my grandchildren do when they come into my house. That's how much God loves you. That's how much He cares for you. And He's paid the price to prove His faithfulness to you. To truly know Him is to truly trust Him. And you can know Him today intimately. You want to run to Him for victory as you let Him do valiantly in your life and let Him tread down your foes so you can give glory to God through that battle. He loves you. He cares. And He is faithful to bring you victory when you turn to Him and trust Him and obey Him with all your life. So how can we apply this to our life today? Well, very simply, I just want to challenge you to follow me in celebrating God's faithfulness. And you can't celebrate His faithfulness unless you know Him intimately. He wants to have an intimate relationship with you he wants you to know that it doesn't matter what you've done in the past. He loves you for who you are. You are fully known and you are fully loved in the arms of God. Near your seat, there should be a little pack with communion, bread, and Juice. Don't open it up yet. I want you to hold it in your hands. I want you to hold this in your hands and I want you to, to just kind of hold it out where you can see.
this ordinance. There's a, there's a piece of bread, broken bread, and the pack, and then there's the cup. The bread represents the body of Christ. The fact that Jesus literally came to this earth, lived a perfect life, by God's design, suffered judgment, even though he was innocent. He suffered judgment for you and me. And the cup represents the fact that he literally bled and every drop of his blood was shed because he loves you that much. He took your judgment and my judgment on himself when he died there on the cross and became the sacrificial lamb for your sin and my sin. Now, as you hold this up and look at it, I want you to understand that Jesus has done his part. But it's not applied to your life until you open the gift. Until you accept it. There may be some here today who have never trusted Jesus. You've never accepted this gift that he's offered you. The ultimate price of living a perfect life and then dying a painful death because He loves you that much. Would you be willing today, for the first time in your life maybe, to accept the gift that God offers you? He's done His part, but you have to do your part. Open the bread now, and as you open the bread, Again, remember, you know why Jesus knows everything about you? Because He suffered everything that you've suffered in life. He's faced every temptation that you have faced yet without sin. So with His life, He has demonstrated how much He loves you. And now if you open the cup, it reminds us that His blood was shed for us to pay the price for the penalty of our sin. He willingly took your judgment upon Himself. He bled and died to restore the intimacy that has been broken by my sin and your sin. And so, symbolically today, this bread and this cup represents the fact that God is saying to you and me, I'm faithful. I've done my part. And Jesus looked at his disciples on the night that he was betrayed. And he said, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, remember me until I come again. Father, I pray today that before we eat the bread and drink the cup today, that every single one of us would say, God, I want to have a more intimate relationship with you. And for some, that might mean admitting that we're a sinner for the first time and 
saying, God, I admit I'm a sinner and I believe that Jesus Christ did come and live and die for my sin. And today, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to spend the rest of my life bringing glory to you, God, because of what Jesus has done for me. I accept the salvation that you offer. And God, I pray for all of us that we would eat this bread and drink this cup and do exactly what you've asked us to do. Remember you, that you're at the table here with us. Remember you until you come back again, because you are coming back. And we celebrate that today in Jesus' name. Amen. And Father, as a response to what you've done for us, I pray that we would go out of here today and allow the worship of our life, not just here on Sunday, but Monday to Saturday, allow the worship of our life to demonstrate the intimacy and the integrity of our relationship with you because you have demonstrated your relationship and your intimacy and your integrity with us. Thank you for the promises that we live by. And may we be faithful to letting the world know how much we love you and how much you love us as we continue to worship you today and as we continue to go out and worship you when we leave here today. In Jesus' name.